Uh, this week we're going to be on week two of a mini-series on prayer. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, but before we get there, um, last week I made a comment about uh, translations versus interpretations, and I talked about how we can trust the translation of the Bible because of the way it was translated. It, you know, we don't translate our, ver- our current version from the most recent version, but translations go back to the original versions and, and draw that out and try and find the most contemporary language possible to maintain the integrity of the, inten- of the original meaning. Um, the, the, the part that I, I failed to mention is that there's a thing called an interpretation. Now, an interpretation of the Bible isn't a translation of the Bible. It helps us understand what the Bible is aiming at or what the general theme of the Bible is for a specific uh, passage or group of uh, scriptures. Uh, an example of an, an, an interpretation would be the message. Have you ever read the message? It's super encouraging. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with using the message and getting in there and trying to figure out what it is. But we don't teach from the message because the message is, is not drawing the exact meaning, right? And so, but we use the message. I, sometimes I quote the message from up here. If I'm like, man, this isn't the, the passage that I'm, I'm preaching off of, but I want you to get the general tone of a certain scripture, I'll, I'll share from the message so that you, as a kind of a paraphrase of what the passage is actually trying to say. Does that make sense? So it's a great resource to go to. It's super encouraging. It was written by, I think his name is Eugene Peterson. The author of the message had a church of people that uh, he was like, they're just not passionate about the Bible. And it turns out that they didn't understand the Bible. So he's like, let me, let me bring it down to just basically the message of the Bible. And that's why he titled it The Message. And so um, that's why uh, I use the English Standard Version. And, and, you know, I'm comfortable using New American Standard. I'd use King James if... I could read it. Um, right? so, so I just wanted to encourage you in that. So we've got translations that we can trust. And you don't have to worry because the next version of the Bible, like if I'm not using the ESV in a year and I'm using something else that's, that's more recent, I'm not going to take something that took the ESV and said, hmm, I don't like how they use that word. So let's, use, let's substitute just this word instead. What we look for in a translation is that it went back to the original manuscripts and drew from church history and drew from, uh, you know, sound archaeological and historicity uh, sources with accurate historicity so that we can, so we can stand on it and be confident in it. So um, my goal today is to look at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. If you were here last week, you'll remember that last week we looked at the disciples' prayer or the Lord's prayer. That was Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And we saw that uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus' disciples saw him praying and one of them came and said, hey, can you teach us how to do this? Because you got something going on that, that I want. And so Jesus instructed them how to pray in kind of a progression of prayer. Uh, and, then, and then we'll see today, jumping on in verses 5 through 10, Jesus is instructing them and then he, he hammers this left-hand turn and gives this, gives this parable or a story to teach them about how prayer works and about God's heart in prayer. So I want to start today by reading. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, which won't be on the screen, but then verses 5 through 10, which will be up on the screen for you. So last week we covered 1 through 4. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And now Jesus turns 
This is verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will call from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed, or with me in bed. I cannot, give up, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, and God, that you would overcome our previous experience to understand what your heart is for us in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So why did he turn from instructing them how to pray and then tell them a story? I think that Jesus felt their resistance to his instruction. So they said, teach us to pray because we want the intimacy that you have with the Father. Help us understand how we can have this. And Jesus starts to instruct them. And we looked through the instructions last week, and I personally am very encouraged by the instructions because I know what comes next. But the disciples at that time didn't know it. And so I think what, they, I think what Jesus felt was this resistance and disbelief. You know, you know, when you're explaining something to someone and they, and they don't quite get it and they're just kind of looking at you like, yeah. You know, and, and you know, kind of it happens in here sometimes. And, and, but it's like, no, no, you don't get it. So let me illustrate this for you to help you because you're, you're stuck and you're not, you're not coming along with me. I was trying to help you understand something, but you're not here with me. Um, so, so he tells them this story and I'm going to paraphrase this story. He says, all right, everybody. Someone comes to your house in the middle of the night on a journey. It was not uncommon for people to travel in the middle of the night when it was hot. And, and, and so they would, they would escape the dark. Uh, they would escape the heat by traveling in the dark. And so they'd be walking. And you would go to a house. And the house that you stopped at, they, the, the, the cultural standard was that you would be hospitable to them. That you would feed them and give them water and care for them and give them a place to rest. And so you've got a friend who shows up at your house in the middle of the night. And you've got nothing to give them. You're empty-handed. And you realize, I've got, my neighbor always has bread. I'll just go over to my neighbor's house. I'll knock on the door. Uh, I'll wait. They'll wake up. And they'll give me what I need so that I can be hospitable. I have this need. I'm in a humble position. I'm a little embarrassed because I don't have what, I, what it needs, to, what I need to be hospitable. I don't have what it takes. So I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to be able to find what I need over here in this house. And so he goes over, and he knocks on the door. And, 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 um, and the friend isn't going to help. Not that he can't, but he won't. So he's knocking on the door. He's like, hey, my friend just showed up. I, I'm, I wasn't ready. I've got nothing. I need three loaves of bread. Not like loaves of bread. It was like pieces of bread, right? Just enough for a meal. And his friends, don't bother me. Bro. Come on, they're here. I'm, I'm in a tight spot. This is embarrassing. They're going to tell everybody. The community's going to, the priest is going to make fun of me. Everybody, come on, don't bother me. He's inconvenienced just by you being there. Granted, it is the middle of the night, so we can understand the friend's position, right? Yeah. Andrew and I, only the only ones here who like to sleep. How often do we not approach God in prayer because, he was cons- because we're concerned that he'd be bothered by our request? I just don't want to bother God with that. Well, it's reckon you. I'm sure God would have concern for it. The door is shut, he says. 
Well, I mean, that's true. (laughs) But you can open it. You're going to in the morning. Come on, Broseph. Like, open the door. That's Jewish for brother. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Strike that from the record. Hebrew. The door is shut. It's midnight after all. They've probably locked it. And the locks then, it wasn't like a deadbolt. They would have to, like it was, a, it was a complicated ritual. And the door was shut and the door was locked. And it would be inconvenience to open the door. He shut the door, but more than that, he's not interested in opening the door. Bro, I'm not opening the door. No. How often do we not pursue God in prayer? Because we feel like he shut the door and he won't open it. We're in bed. Everybody's in bed. Now that's true. That's the way they slept, right? So the kids and the family, if you, were, if you didn't have a lot of money, everybody would sleep in the same room. I don't understand it. It seems hot and crampy to me. But they're all in the, the servants. If you didn't have a lot of money and a whole lot of space, it'd be you, the servants, your kids, everybody just packed into this little spot. We're in bed. And, you know, it's like, I know you're in a tough spot. I got it. But this would, your discomfort to get you comfortable. I'd have to cause discomfort to all these other people. And I'm not willing to do that because these people's comfort is more important to me than your comfort. Now, side note, if any of these family members were under the age of two, I get it. They get a pass. You get a baby to sleep. You let that kid sleep. They're like cry bombs. You like snip the wrong wire and it's like, You know, he probably would have gotten the door open, unlocked, gone into the kitchen, opened the cabinet, dropped a plate, broke a clay vessel, some earthenware, handed off the biscuits, locked the door again, yelled at the dog, then laid down. And as soon as his head hit the pillow, the baby would wake up. That's how that works. <laughs> he can make all the noise in the world, but as soon as you're quiet, you wake up the baby. That's not what the message is about. How often do we not approach God in prayer because we think that God is more concerned with other people's needs than our own? You know, it's like, wow, he's got to hold all these things and he's not worried about my comfort. He's taking care of their comfort. Or we think that like by taking care of us, he's not going to be taking care of other people. But that's not how it works with God. We'll touch on that in just a moment. I can't get up. <laughs> it's like, I was going to put up a slide of that commercial from the 90s. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> It's like, what are you, a turtle? What do you mean you can't get up? The truth is you don't want to get up. Again, it is an inconvenience. The family and servants were sleeping. Everybody was like, everything was settled and he was ready to just, he was ready just to sleep for the night and wake up for tomorrow. But how often do we not approach God in prayer because we don't think that he is willing or desiring It's not that he can't get up. It's that I don't want to get up. And he says, I cannot give you anything. Why? What the friend means, he didn't say I don't have anything. I said, he said, I cannot give you anything. I don't want to give you anything. How often do we not approach God 
with our desire because we don't believe that he actually can provide what we need. We're heart sick. Our heart, we're emotionally wounded and we don't ask God to heal us because we don't think he can. We have a desperate financial need, but we don't go to God and ask because we don't think that he can or will provide. We have physical pain or injury that has nagged us and we don't go to God because we don't think he's got the means to be able to heal us physically. And the lists go on and on. Then finally, not because they're friends, but because he's completely blown away by the guy's lack of respect. He's going to answer this request. This word impudence that was used, it means failing to show proper respect and courtesy, very rude, lacking modesty, marked by contemptuous or cocky boldness or disregard of others. I've been that guy. There's this movie, What About Bob from the early 90s? And, and I just, I was like, this is it. So guys, can you show that? This is what impudence looks like. Check it out. Look at him in really bad shape. Come on, please, Bob, please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob, need, Bob. I need, I need. Bob. Give me, give okay, me, okay. please. All right, all right, please. all right. Show that, show that one more time. Just, just so it can just grind on us. Check it out. Look at him in really bad shape. Come on, please, please. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need, I need. Give me, give me, please. All right, all right, all right. That is impudence. And you're standing at the door. Come on, come on, come on. And not because you're friends. (laughs) Because he just wants you to shut up. Fine. I'll give you the bread. You know, I I have two thoughts about this whole scenario. The first is how we are so much like both of the people in the story. (laughs) Right? We, We can be that person who's so concerned with mostly me. And we can be the person... Well, I guess the other person is concerned with mostly me too, but has no concern for the other person's need. So we're so much like that. You know, somebody comes and they, they need something and you have the means or the time or the ability, but you've got to look busy because busy means you're important. You've got the means to give to a thing, but you'd rather just keep the $20 in your pocket because it's better to have $20 in your pocket than no dollars in your pocket but you missed out on an opportunity to provide for somebody else's need. You know, you could, you could help somebody out, but it would cause some inconvenience to the people in your life, so you just watch them struggle. And we're all very much like that, and, and that's what sets up this second idea, and that's that God is nothing like this. And Jesus uses this story to encourage everybody. He's like, I know why you're not praying. You're not praying because you think God is like you. But you'll be able to pray freely and openly. You'll be able to pray with confidence if you would just understand that he's nothing like you. He's not there to preserve himself. He's there to give from himself. God's not bothered by our weakness and humble position. It's attractive to him. 
That's why he says, I came to seek and save the lost. It's not the healthy that need a physician, but the sick. That's not the way to start a movement, by the way. You go and you find the influencers. You find the strong people, but Jesus was attracted to the meek, the humble, those who didn't have, so that he could build them up and make them great. His door isn't locked. The door's been swung wide and we have access not only into the home, but we've got access to the cabinet. In Jesus Christ, he, he invites us into his family. He's adopted us as sons and daughters. So, so, when we, so when we show up at the door, we don't have to worry about it being locked and locking us out. The things that are being withheld from us aren't being withheld from us. If you have a sense of something being withheld, it's not because he doesn't have a heart or a desire for you to have good things. The without is because he, he, um, he knows that it's better for you to not have this thing, at least in this time, because he knows that it's better to develop something else. The same reason I don't give my kids Skittles right before dinner. Dad's withholding Skittles from me. This is the worst thing ever. Right? Not my 10-year-old, by the way. I'm talking about like when they were littler. But it's like, you're crying out, Dad has these good things. He's just not giving them to me because he doesn't care. No, I want you to eat the broccoli. I want you to eat the chicken. I'm, some fried chicken. <laughs> I had Ben up until the fried chicken. Um. Right, But if you're filled up on Skittles, not even fried chicken would taste good to you. And that is evidence that it's sinful. No. <laughs> no. But you're filled, up on, you're filled up on Skittles. It's better for me to withhold this thing from you that you think you want so badly. And you think you, that the thing that you know is right for you. It's like, no, no, no. This isn't right for you. What's right for you is, is that, that broccoli mix that you know, we just microwave. <laughs> That's how I cook, Megan, when you're not home microwave like a microwave chef you should write a book tony but the door's been swung wide we've been invited into the house we've been invited into his family we've been given his name we are his sons and daughters and he gives us access to the to the cabinets there's this cabinet in my parents house it had chips in it it was, a, it was above the stove real high for like 10 years after i moved out i'd walk in without knocking of course and drop everything on the table and go over to the chip cabinet. And it was like, it was just wired into me. I didn't feel like I needed to ask for permission. They, they were pleased, or at least for this story, they were pleased for me to get into the cabinet <laughs> and to take those chips and, and go to the fridge and take whatever I wanted out of the fridge, right? Eat their leftovers that they were counting on. <laughs> wow, that's how thoughtful. They brought leftovers for me. And from Morton's. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> the door's not locked. He's not asleep. He's not tucked away and in bed and worried that everybody's going to get disrupted if you ask for something. If you approach him to talk to him. Because remember, the whole, the whole idea that we set up last week was that, that the disciples asked him because they saw Jesus praying for no reason at all. 
It wasn't this big need or this major hurt or this other pain. It was just a conversation with God. And so we see that, you know, we can approach God in the middle of the night. He's not comforted in bed and just in there. He might be in your bed with you. He might be in your kitchen with you. He'll be in your car with you. He'll be in at your work with you. He'll be at your job with you. He'll be in these places wherever you are. He'll be there to speak to you. But you don't have to worry about him being inconvenienced by your request. And he's not asleep. He's not walking around at capacity going, hey, I'd love to help you, but to help you, I won't be able to help them. And so I've chosen to help them instead. That's not the economy of God. The economy of God is that all resources are at his disposal and that he can give always and without, without fail and without, without running out, without running dry. And so we can have confidence in knowing that somebody else is going to miss out on something because God's got something for me. And this is really good news for you because your, any lack that you sense isn't because God used it up on somebody else. Pastor Brett says often, he's like, you don't have to worry about somebody else taking your call. They're answering their call. So when the person gets the job that you thought you wanted or the, thought that, the job that you thought you were supposed to have, it's just because God had something else for you. But nobody can take what God has for you. That doesn't make any sense. Because he's got limited resources. Again, that's the limitation we have because we think God is like us. And he's not lacking desire or ability. He desires to draw near to us and to bless us and to provide for us. And we see that in this prayer. Of course, give us this day our daily bread. Why wouldn't you pray that except you're afraid that he won't? Or ability, you're afraid he can't. Neither of those are true. Sometimes we lack, I already said, because um, we, we think that it's because he's withholding something from you. But it's not because he's withholding something. It's not because he's bothered by you. It's not because he's more concerned with other people's comfort. It's not any of those things. Sometimes he's developing our character. And he's giving us the thing we need instead of the thing that we want. Sometimes it's because we're asking for the wrong thing. Like I illustrated with the Skittles. Sometimes he's lining other things up. Sometimes... We get the desire or the passion early and we're just out ahead of it. And so we pray, but it's on its way. Right? You know, like when the, when the river dried up, when the River Jordan dried up, it dried up 19 miles upstream. So the, you have to just Google this, but the, the priests stepped into the water holding the Ark of the Covenant, being told that they were going to pass through on, on dry ground, like hoping to cross the river. And they would have had to stand there and the water still going by their their ankles. Dirty, cold water just flowing right past them. And they're sitting here and they're like, well, we're in the water. God, I'm glad they didn't say, well, God must not have heard our prayer. I'm glad they didn't say, well, didn't happen. I guess, I guess God doesn't do miracles. I guess he's not able to dry up this water. I guess he's not able to help us pass through. God had stopped the water some 19 miles up the river. And it took a minute for the water to pass by. And for the river to drain. So, but they had to stand in the river in faith. And all the, all the naysayers are like, I told you God can't do this. We're done. God's not able. Maybe he's busy. The door's locked. He's bothered by us. He doesn't have a desire or ability to help us. 
But they stood in the water. And then I'm sure, I, I'm not sure if it was them. You know, and then you got the people saying, it's going down. You know, and it's not really going down yet. They're just like really excited and hopeful. And, yeah, have you ever had somebody pray for you? And they're like, are you better? And you're like, yeah. No, not yet. But they're standing there. And then somebody saw the water drop on the ankle. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is happening. The water's dropping. And then eventually the water moved so that they were able to cross over on dry land. But knowing this about God, knowing that he's not like us, we know that uh, we can freely and expectantly do this next part, this last part of instruction, and this is where we'll land. He says, ask, seek, knock. In Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. So that so that we can ask, seek, and knock. Now, here's the distinction between it. It kind of increases in, like it, it progresses from like the simple near request to one where you have to go and search and for one where you've got to put more energy into it. So it's pray, expect, pursue would be one way to think of it. It's talking, if your dad is in the room, it's, hey, dad, can I? If your dad's not in the room or your distance, you've got to seek. Let me go find let me go find him. Now I can ask. Now that I've found you, I've, I've found you. I, I've, I've sought you out and I found out where you are. I've sought you out in the word. I've sought you out in prayer. I've sought you out in, in worship. I sought you out in community. I sought you out in small group. I sought you out in foundations class. I sought you out in, in being obedient and faithful. I sought you out. And now I ask and knock. Sometimes it, 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 it feels like he's behind this door. And so we, we do have to knock, but we don't have to knock in fear that he's not going to answer. Go away. When we knock, he's there to graciously open and answer. Let's, let's, let's read that one more time. And then I'm going to make one more statement and we'll land. And I tell you, it's important. If I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. The last question I asked about this text is anything? Anything? Well, yes. Anything that's on the menu. And you're welcome to ask for things that aren't on the menu because he's gracious and kind and compassionate and merciful and he'll steer you and direct you to the menu. (laughs) Kindly. You pull up (laughs) to McDonald's and you're like, I'd like a steak. (laughs) You mean the Angus burger? No, I want a steak. Well, we don't have steak. I want a steak. Read the menu, right? That's kind of like, move along. With God, if we start asking him for things that aren't on his menu, he'll redirect us kindly. And that's why it's important, this seeking process, this asking process, this perseverance in prayer is so important because prayer moves the heart of God. It's amazing that God has, uh, has opted, has elected to allow prayer to move his heart and to, 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 he's moved by us in prayer. And that's remarkable. 
but it changes us as well. And I can tell you, I've prayed for things and I've made declarations of faith about things only to be like, that was a really dumb thing to pray for, to ask or demand. I've hunger striked, struck, stricken. Here we are. I striked. I called it a fast. But it's God, I want this. I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat until you give it to me. That is a hunger strike. And I've done that. Only to find out three months later that I really didn't want that. God, give me this relationship. Not the relationship you need. God, give me this job. Not the job you need. God, give me this career. Not the career that you need. Because at the time of our asking, we have an incomplete understanding of what it is that we're actually asking for. But all the while, God sees the full trajectory. We're like the disciples in a lot of ways, aren't we? I think many of us in this room have stopped praying or haven't started because we think that God is like us. Today, I want to encourage us all to step out and pray those dangerous prayers together. I want you to pray the dangerous prayer that you've been afraid to speak because you didn't want to admit it to yourself or you didn't want to, do it, you didn't want to admit it to God. I promise you, God's not surprised by it. And as long as it remains locked up and hidden in there, you'll never experience, you'll never have the benefit of receiving it or you'll never have the benefit of actually receiving something else because your heart is full of the thing that you want instead. Does that make sense? So we have a five for five where I ask you, if you're not reading your Bible, if you've never read your Bible, take five minutes a day for at least five days, for at least five days this week and read your Bible. Get in there and read it for at least five minutes. You can set the timer. I, I, I mean, obviously I, I, it's great if we can do more than five minutes, but I think five minutes will start to give you an appetite for the things of God. And you'll begin to see that, that God will speak to you and he will meet you. And you don't have to read it in the Greek or the Hebrew. You know, for the purposes of conversation, go ahead and open up with the message interpretation if you need to this week. If that's what will get you in the door. And then the second part that I want to add for the five for five this week is I want you to take an, an extra five. And I want you to work through through the disciples' prayer that happened right before that. And if you don't understand the disciples' prayer, you can go on the website and listen to last week's podcast where we walked through it. And you can pray that, or you could just, in, 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 in addition to that, you could just pray a radical prayer and pray the things that are on your heart and talk to God about it and trust and understand that he hears you, that he's present to you, that he's near to you, and that, that, um, that when we ask, we'll be answered. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, it will be opened. Amen.